listening to Octagon 24-7's podcast, MMA FanCast. It's MMA for the fans, by the fans. We talk about only the important things you want to hear. Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA on Spike. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. It's another day off the heels of Mayweather and McGregor. We are back with episode 40 of MMA FanCast. Thank you for joining us. My name is Ryan Middleton. I am your host, and I am joined by a young man who has been impressing many, many folks in the sticks of West Virginia with his beard. Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Dice Bailey. Thank you for appreciating my beard. That's all I strive for in life. It's good to be back again. We are um, really impressed with your, you know, first of all, I think the audience is really impressed that there is internet in West Virginia. And, you know, they've been just in thoroughly, I mean, it amuses everyone that, like, we didn't even know there was that. So we're, the, we're the all net, impressed. Yeah, we're getting um, internet on our phones now too. Like we can like send pictures to each other. It's crazy. You mean you mean on your rotaries? Yeah, on our rotaries. That's, that's what we have. Yeah, exactly. So we are back, and I'll tell you, um, it doesn't need much of an introduction to to know that on the day after the money fight that we were, we were going to be talking at length and in depth about the money fight. And as a matter of fact, prior to the money fight, there was a pretty amazing article breaking down what's going to happen with Mayweather McGregor, what ifs and all those scenarios on octagon 247.com an article written by this man you're looking at Andrew Dice Bailey. Not bad for a typewriter, right? <laughs> they, you mean they're <laughs> already on to typewriters? We're catching on quick. I'm telling you. Wow. This, we're, we're, I mean, Silicon Valley aside, this is a real hub of technology. I, uh, you know, one of my favorite jokes growing up, I, you probably heard it, I'm sure. Um, we think it's a joke, but it's actually the truth. It's not really a joke. Is do you know why the toothbrush was invented in West Virginia? Why? Because if it was invented anywhere else, it'd be called the teeth brush. Huh? Huh? See? Uh, See where I went there? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm picking up what you land in. So, oh, and my other f- favorite stupid joke. I got to get a, just a stupid joke in here. Is um, why did the chicken cross the road? Why? To get to the idiot's house. Knock, knock. Who's there? The chicken. <laughs> Go away. I just knew it was going. I knew it was going there. I'm like, I don't want to answer. All right. So we had a uh, Mayweather McGregor and, you know, we knew it was going to be a spectacle. We knew it was going to be 
something for the ages from a you know pop culture perspective that people were going to be watching that normally don't watch MMA that normally don't watch boxing that it was going to grab a bunch of people and you know in essence make them experts at both sports um but it would also you know be something that would be a part of our nation and something that everyone is going to be talking about around the coolers on on uh, Monday, tomorrow, today for you if you're listening on Monday. So, um, what were your what were your initial reactions? What were your thoughts um, f- with the fight? Uh, my initial reactions were I was really impressed that a fighter, a novice, can come in there and fight ten rounds and actually land some punches the way he did. And it's. I mean, we've we've known we've followed McGregor his entire career, but just just the way he moves his head is just amazing. The way he slips punches and the fact that he was doing that to Floyd Mayweather is amazing. I had him going into if, if that tenth round had ended, I would have had Floyd Mayweather up one point on the cards. I had uh, Connor up five four through nine. If that tenth was about to be a ten eight, and then that would have Floyd ahead. And I think he was going to he was going to go to victory if it went to the cards. But some of the judges' cards, did you see their scores? Yeah, their judge, the judges' scores were pretty crazy. One had Floyd winning every round except for one, and it was a draw. I'm like, are we watching the same fight? And Yeah, that just- was complete insanity. He easily won, won the first three. The first three shouldn't have been the question. They were all 10-9 rounds, mm-hmm. and so he should have had three, three rounds up. Now... The rest from there on out, uh, round round four, I think, was, was the most controversial May- round. That was close. I, I gave four to Mayweather. Okay. I, I think most of the people I was watching it with, I was watching it with about ten guys at my house. Um, I think most people felt that barely gave the edge to, to, to McGregor. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I didn't have McGregor winning another round. See, I had one, two, and three, five – and seven, and then that was it. Well, I had round round um, nine a ten eight. Okay, because he was. I mean, that could have ended there. And actually, it was supposed to because my prediction was Mayweather in round nine, but he decided to let it go. I mean, honestly, if he pours it on in round nine, it's over. Yeah, I wonder. I was interested why he was kind of guarded. I didn't know if he was afraid he just couldn't get the damage he wanted or why he just pulled back from that flurry. So that was interesting. So here's my question. If McGregor can go 12 rounds the way he fought the first couple, what is that? What are the, what does that fight look like? I mean, so essentially what I felt was happening was Mayweather was simply buying his time until Connor slowed down. Yeah, he which, stayed in the Philly shell and just let him punch himself out. Which is, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. And right. if you're a better boxer, should you need to do that? That's I mean, an interesting point. If he's a better box, so essentially, if let's just assume Connor McGregor doesn't punch himself out and he's able to keep that same pace for 12 rounds, at some point. Mayweather says, wow, he's not slowing down. I have to actually fight. So when does that, one, when does that happen? And two, what happens when they are both 
trying to win each round. That would have been that. I mean, that's what I was hoping to see in the later rounds. But I think Floyd was waiting till six. Uh, he was getting through six, and then every round after that, he was just gauging the meter, just seeing where it was. You know, it, it was really interesting to watch him just kind of slowly become more and more offensive. And then, just like you said, by nine, he knew he he knew it at that point. And then oh, yeah. ten, he just he poured it on. But it would have been very interesting. I don't think any. I mean, no matter what he did, I mean. When McGregor did, he I don't think he was going to win on the scorecards in Las Vegas in a boxing match. I saw traditional boxing writers, some of them, that said McGregor's out here throwing just pathetic punches in the first round. Like called his like Dan Rafael, senior writer ESPN, called his punches just pathetic. I'm like, that is highly inaccurate just because they're unorthodox to call yeah, them pathetic. Well, and this is a guy that he's championing championing for his sport and thinks that he has to discredit. I mean, for uh, it's, it's absurd. It's absurd. Absolutely. And I mean, it, he landed more punches. Uh, I, I mean, I have numbers. 111. Here. I have numbers to compare what he did. I think, where did I put that? Okay. He land McGregor landed more punches then Cotto, Mosley, Berta, Pacquiao, Marquez, and Hatton. And all of those were decisions except for Hatton. Hatton ended in the 10th. Mm -hmm. So McGregor landed more punches than all of those guys. Yeah, he landed 111, which ranks sixth all time against Floyd. And second all time is uh, Maidana with like 129 or 128 off the top of my head. So he was, you know just under 20 punches away in two less rounds from being the second most from touch from hitting Floyd as the second most of anybody who's ever done it. And that was in 10 rounds. Yeah. And this is without, um, having a particular expertise in boxing. Yeah, this, this is, he, he was an, uh, he was, he has a deep, he has a good amateur background, but he trained hard for boxing for, three months and fought the greatest defensive fighter of all time and hit him 111 times. I think everywhere else I saw outside of the pretentious boxing circles, everyone was just congratulating him. Like, wow, that was really impressive that you went toe to toe with them and just, I mean, did not get embarrassed at all by any means. I mean, considering the person he's fighting and I think it was a win for MMA. I think he did made MMA look really good today or yesterday. Yeah, from what I understand, everyone um, was able to watch the main event, but there were some, there were some serious issues on, during the prelims. Yeah, the I heard the out they were slowing things down due to all the outages in yeah. what California and Texas or somewhere. Well, what medium were you watching it on? Like TV. You watched like, it on I'm cable through cable. Yeah. Okay, so did I. Jim Mooney ordered it on UFC Fight or UFC TV, like on the yeah whatever it's called, um, on their you know Apple TV app, and mm -hmm. he he missed the first forty nine minutes of the of the pay per view. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean it it nobody no one was really watching those matches. It didn't really matter, but. It was a scare. Like, wait a second. Am I going to get yeah. this? Wasn't it weird watching a pay-per-view and not caring about <laughs> anything except the main event? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's boxing life, I think. 
you know, yeah. I, I mean, I guess there's the the boxing purists that care about multiple fights on the card, but I mean, most MMA fans care about the whole main card, exactly, or at least and like the top three fights. And yeah. normally, the way way Dana sets it up, like the first fights. A really good barn burner, you know, a good fight too. And then they have a good fight to lead off of the prelims. So, I mean, yep. the UFC set up in a way to really grab people. Yeah. Yeah. It's set up much better. It was just weird to me sitting there. I was talking to my friends and I was just thinking, I really don't care about Javante Davis, some guy who can't make weight fighting in this fighting right now. Like, this does not interest me at all. And uh, what did you think? About Floyd Mayweather turning his back constantly. Yeah, I, I um, I don't know what that was all about. That was, Why was he bizarre. Doing that? I, like, I, I want to watch. It. I, I, I taped it. I want to watch it again. And you know, as it's happening, you're not like, how did he turn his back? Like, what was the circumstance that that happened? But honestly, if I was McGregor, I would have done everything I could to just drill him as many times as possible in the in the ribs, in the kidney, like from the side, just unload on him because until I got stopped, because you deserve to get I mean, if you're turning your back on someone, you deserve to get pummeled. Yeah, most officials will stop you before you can do anything. But when he fought Jose Luis Castillo, he did the same thing to him. But the ref didn't step in. So Castillo just unloads like three shots right at the kidneys and comes back around. And Mayweather was looking at the referee for uh, some interference, but none. So that was really bizarre to me that you're the boxer and you're turning your back. Like, come on. That's why... That's why boxing only does so much for me. Like, I was like, please, let's get, what about the octagon? You talked about the octagon beforehand, so let's let's bring the next fight to the octagon and watch you turn your back. That's all talk. That's all oh, oh, yeah. talk. Oh, oh yeah. It would it would be insane. How about what do you think of Max Kellerman's prediction now? How's that looking about now? That he wouldn't hit him. He wouldn't it, land a punch. See I, I really respect I really respected Max Kellerman um, for a long time because he's really knowledgeable about boxing, knows tons. But he's a one once again he's one of the purists who loves his boxing the way it is. You don't br- don't bring your MMA savagery into my sport. And it was just a foolish prediction. And he looks he looks as stupid now as he did when he said it. It was just won't land a punch. That's just ridiculous. That's insanely ridiculous. I mean, <clears throat> maybe if. If if Conor McGregor was going up against a super aggressive Tyson like guy that was going to take it to him and 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 be ferocious and was a you know a one punch knockout king, then maybe yeah. you could make that prediction. Absolutely, but that's not who Floyd Mayweather is. That's not who he ever was. That's not who he was going to be on this night. Yeah, absolutely. It's just. That was silly. I just I stopped listening to any boxing purists talk about it because they just they come off so biased. And all the MMA guys are just like, guys, you know, he has a shot. You know, it's fighting. Let's see what happens. And trying to break it down. And I think the sport of boxing on a lot of parts just came out looking a little rough at the end of this. And it just you need an MMA guy to break records. You need an MMA guy to come over and do things. And then you do nothing but insult him. So I don't know. It was it was a very weird experience. Yeah, 
So do you feel like this fight was a win-win for everyone? The results of it? Yeah, I, I think it was. Even the even with the stoppage, which, I mean, take it for what it's worth, but uh, I think it was. I think Conor looked really good. He, 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 nobody takes a loss like Conor McGregor. He just takes it so well, says all the right things. Uh, the Fertitas were there to hang out again and talk to him. And I think the one thing Conor pointed out was it wasn't the skill that Floyd had. It was just the experience. Because he said he watched Floyd change strategies three times in the fight, and he said that was just really impressive to see. Like, he just had game plan after game plan after game plan because he's he's done it. I mean, he's done this since he was born. And just the experience factor overwhelmed him, which is understandable. And um, But, no, I think he looks good. I think the sport of MMA looks good. And um, I'm glad I don't have to talk about the – serial domestic violence offender Floyd Mayweather anymore after this week. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I I can agree on that. And that, I think that's a large part of why people wanted Floyd to lose is because of just the guy, the, the guy he's not likable. He's not likable. No, not at all. Um, so you, you, you never answered my question. What would have happened if McGregor hadn't gassed? He would have won the fight to all of us, and he would have lost the fight on the scorecard to the Vegas judges. That's what would have happened. He, he would have just continually done that, and boxing purists would say, these little pathetic uh, pity-pat punches don't mean anything, and look at the way he moves, and he would have lost the fight on the scorecards, and we'd be sitting here right now raging. <laughs> how, does anyone, what, how does anyone give the second or third round to Mayweather? He, did, he literally didn't even throw any punches. I think, what was it, he threw like 12 punches through two and a half rounds? Yeah, well, through two rounds, I think. I think he threw six. Yeah. In the f- six in the first, six in the second. It's just, yeah. he wasn't doing anything. And I don't know how you reward somebody who's inactive and just sitting there getting punched with points. Just be- That just proves, like I said, the bias and the name. That if you can just stand there and get punched and you consider it winning a round, no. Yeah. Uh, that's just odd to me. I mean, I want to actually see. I, I haven't spent any time <clears throat> looking at the judges' scorecards. I I actually can't even imagine looking at a scorecard and seeing ten for Mayweather in round two and three, one, two, or three. Yeah, it it doesn't make any sense to me at all. So, yeah, it just it exposed some flaws. I mean, just. I don't understand. I don't understand that. I don't know how you can res- honestly and truthfully write that on a scorecard for the right person to like win that round. Like it just. I don't know if it's from just corruption or just ego, but something was wrong. If you're going to give rounds one, two, or three to Floyd Mayweather, I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm intrigued now. Um, at some point, I'm going to take a look at the. I'm assuming that the scorecards are. Are posted somewhere. Did you see them? Did you see the actual I, scorecards? I haven't looked them up. I saw the graphic when they put it on the screen last night, but I haven't seen them today. Oh, yeah. That was on the screen. Okay. I, w- I want to see that because that just blows my mind how anyone could put a 10 on Mayweather's name for rounds one, two, or three. That's mind-boggling. I'm assuming it's for, like, if, if, if a judge only gave him one round, I'm assuming he gave him round one. I, I 
I don't know how you could even make an argument for it not to be round one for me, uh, for McGregor. It just, like you said, once again, he just didn't do anything. He just stood there and got punched. Yeah. Like, did the sport of boxing change in the last 10 years? Like, do you just stand there and get punched and win fights? I don't know if that's the truth. If that's the case, sign me up. I'll just get punched and win fights. Well, he was showing his defensive superiority by not, not being cleanly hit. And so, therefore, it's, it's, he's winning. He's still getting punched though, not punching. I'm I'm joking entirely. Like, I was I was yeah. like, come on, he's he's getting punched and not punched. Yeah. Like, it's, it's it it, it astounded. I I was really impressed. I knew McGregor would use his range well, but I was really astounded how easily he could break Floyd's guard and get to and punch him with his jab several times and just snap his head back. But like I said, I was just impressed all all around with McGregor. So those first couple rounds, I mean. Like you said, if he could have kept that up, that would have been just fantastic to watch him just beat on Floyd and Floyd win a fight for getting punched the whole time. Well, there are some that say that Floyd was putting no effort at all into anything until late in the fight, that he was just buying time. Like, he would, he was not trying. I wouldn't... I don't buy that a bit. I, he, I will never say he wasn't trying. I will say he was doing what we thought he would do, and that's staying in the Philly shell and taking minimal damage and letting McGregor gas himself out. Like he was, he was doing that on purpose. Like it was all part of a bigger plan. Like he wanted him to just hit his shoulder. And and so should the better should the better fighter need to do that? That's an interesting question. It's a the boxer, you know, he's the boxer, he's the best ever. Should he be doing this in a boxing ring? It's a strategy that worked for him, obviously. I mean, it I, worked. Yes, he but, got the win. It worked. If, but what but he no. told us, what he told us was that I'm going to be the aggressor. I'm going to go forward. I will not back up. And through four rounds, he was backing up the entire time. So what I'm saying is, if he went into round one to to fight and try to win that fight in beginning in round one. What happens? What's the result? There's always a chance you get caught. <laughs> There's always a small chance you get caught, and he so, didn't want any part of that. But I I really felt like like when McGregor was fresh, that he was a real danger. I, I, I think so, too. And even when he got tired, I think it was round eight, he landed a body shot on Mayweather. That that did some damage. Mayweather felt that by that. One of the few times I've ever seen Mayweather just back up from a body shot. And that was impressive. And if he, like I said, if he could have – I think he was a threat. I think he was – in those early rounds, Mayweather recognized the threat and was like, okay, I'm going to stand like this. And I'm – I'm going to run backwards. I'm going to turn my back. And once he's, once he's fatigued, then I'm going to engage. Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't seem like a very manly way to me to fight. You're telling me turning your back. Conor McGregor got ridiculed for resetting against Nate Diaz in their second fight. But it's funny if that some people that supported Nate Diaz support Floyd Mayweather turning his back in a boxing match. That makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, honestly, do you think that Diaz fans are are separate from McGregor fans? I think there are some. I'm a Diaz fan and a McGregor fan. Just same because, here. You know, same here. Yeah, yeah. So I just like the sport of MMA. 
It, but so I think who, there's... who did you root for when they fought? McGregor. Okay, see, I rooted for Diaz. Okay, see, I'm a big, I'm a big McGregor fan. Like, there's, yeah, there's not, uh, yeah, not like a chance to pick over him. But I think there are some fans that are so just anti-McGregor that they, it's, it's like against your favorite team. You're a fan of whoever's playing your rival. That's who you're. That's, who, that's you're also your favorite team. So whoever's yeah. fighting Conor McGregor, that's, that's your other favorite. Fighter. That's a loser's mentality, in my opinion. Yeah, you're telling me. I think so too. But I that's mean, I'm saying. My, the big just haters of Conor McGregor think that way. See, like Browns fans. Browns <laughs> fans are their favorite team is whoever's playing the the Steelers, and then their second favorite team is the Browns. Yep. That's the. They get more satisfaction out of a Steeler loss than a Browns win. Because they know a Steelers loss actually means something. Honestly, that that's the honest truth. I'm not like exaggerating. That's the truth, and it's a loser's mentality. And that's why I think the thing with McGregor is a, a loss for McGregor means more to them than a win for whoever their favorite fighter is. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know why. I mean, why an MMA fan would be a McGregor hater is beyond me. The guy's yes. done. The guy's doing incredible things. And granted, most of these things are benefiting him first and foremost, but the side effect of that is it's benefiting the entire sport. More people watching is more people watching. Absolutely. You take McGregor away from the sport right now, and what do we have? We don't have much right now, especially with John Jones, and who knows if GSP is ever going to be – I mean, has that, fight ever, has that fight been officially announced yet? Have you heard? I haven't. Let's. I'm gonna as we're as we're chatting. I'm gonna check the the UFC website and see if that's listed as the main event for the Madison Square Garden uh, November. What is it? November third? No, uh, I think it's a little later. Maybe the seventeenth. Oh, I thought. I, think it's a I thought it was early in November, but I'm pulling it up now. Um. Yep, yeah, it's not. It's not on there. It's. Oh, no, this is a different card. This is 216. Okay, me 217. Yeah, I don't know if this is on. Yeah. Yeah, it says it's, it says it's confirmed now. It's on here. Oh, yeah, it is. You're right, you're right. Good, good. Yeah, That's you're good. right. November 4th, it's early. You're right. Yep, November 4th. Um, so they're, they're on there. Hey, um, did you watch any of the Fox prelims? No, what was I was afraid I'd see Polly Malignaggi, so I just didn't watch it. You just swore. Don't say that. Don't say. I that. didn't swear. Oh, don't say those words. <laughs> PM, the PM word. Yeah, we don't talk about that guy. Yeah, that's forbidden on MMA Fancast. <laughs> but no, I didn't watch any. Uh, but Paolo, he's not. He is not forbidden, Paolo. You should be a promoter for this guy. Dude, wait till you see him. He's awesome. <laughs> if he loses the Johnny Hendricks, it's just going to ruin your whole evening. Oh, that would be horrible. <laughs> that would be absolutely horrible. I, I got to get to that card, by the way, in Madison Square Garden. That will be a good card. All right. Um, so, Okay. How could could McGregor have won the fight, and if so, how could he have won? So, your let's talk about our predictions. If 
you want to get into that. Have we talked about this at all? Our predictions, no. Okay, so you predicted McGregor knockout or TKO third round. Yes, correct. I'm pretty sure the third round came and went, and that didn't happen. (laughs) As far as I know. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Sahara, he picked McGregor fourth round TKO or KO. Pretty sure the fourth round came and went, and that didn't happen. And then I picked Mayweather ninth round TKO or KO. Ninth round came and went and almost happened. Almost. But happened in the 10th round. Yep. So from a who was close and who got it, kind of made the prediction right, like where would you go with that one? <laughs> well, I, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say you were right. <laughs> That's music to my ears. You see, I got to let you get I, – I, you have to be right now because when – Garbrandt and Dillashaw fight, you're going to be wrong. So you have to be right now. Well, and that's the that's the other thing that. <laughs> see, you would think by 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 this point that people would listen to me. I mean, I call fights almost exact when it's a main event. I call the fight almost exactly how it's going to happen. Now I pick <laughs> I pick Cormier, and. You know, that was arguably a, 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 well, not arguably, that was a extremely close fight. Hey, we're all right now because Cormier is going to get the win due to DQ, so we were closer. Correct. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Well, <sighs> John Jones. John Jones, you make me wonder to myself. Like, I feel good about, like, the decisions I made in my life when I, even as like a dumb teenager and like early twenty something, I made some stupid decisions. But John, I then I look at John Jones and I'm like, my decisions weren't that stupid. <laughs> you never ran over a pregnant lady and fled the scene. <laughs> I never wasted the the most talent anyone's had ever at something, and just thrown it out the window. Yeah, it's oh. I knew this black hole was coming. We're going to continually like just fall down this wormhole every podcast somehow. It's just going to be like, oh, that old chestnut John Jones again. Well, <laughs> so here's here's the thing. So you know I'm Christian, mm-hmm. and 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 that's something that's very important in my life. So John Jones comes on the scene, and he's supposed to be this Christian guy with, you know – representing the sport and and that was exciting and i'm watching this young kid and he has so much talent he comes in and he fights uh in his debut and you see this kid that just does things a little differently and he has this like something this something about him that's different and he moves differently, and he's a little bit awkward. His striking's pretty pedestrian at the time, but he has something special. You can see he's 21 years old, and he's doing things, and you just see his career start to progress, and then he fights Stefan Bonner and really tools him at a point where Stefan Bonner is this veteran, and he's not supposed to make him look silly, and he does, and... 
and there's just so much excitement for this kid that you know he's also a christian and it's that's great for the sport for me you know that mm -hmm. kind of thing and then he starts representing the my faith in a, such a poor way and it's like no come on dude i even remember like like text or t tweeting him privately one time like come on man like that's not what we do. Like we, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and he, I don't know. It's just been brutal to like watch. And I think he needs a, I don't know. I, I don't know what he needs. Yeah. Well, I thought he'd gotten everything he needed during his last suspension, but we were wrong. But while we're reminiscing about the rise, I'll never forget when Vitor Belfort, had him in that arm bar. And I'm like, that's it. Vitor's going to win. And he just goes to another level mentally and just gets through it and wins. Like that, I mean, just to reiterate your it factor point, he had the intangibles of a champion like inside the octagon, but outside the octagon, he never has displayed the discipline of a champion. And yeah. that's, why we're, that's why we're not going to see him again for probably four years. Well, not, not if, only did he have the intangibles of a champion in the, in the ring – in the mm -hmm. octagon, he had it on a different level. I mean, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, if I don't think he was pound for pound the best. I think the the guys that are lightweight classes are so like the top is so good in those weight classes. It's unreal. Like, oh, it's it's Demetrius yeah. Johnson is unreal. You put you take that fighter and you make him into 205 and that fighter destroys John Jones. There's the skill level is so high, the quickness, the transitions, the he's so well-rounded, all of those things. So I never thought John Jones was pound for pound the best, which is that's what I see as pound for pound the best. But when you're looking at um uh, the other way of looking at pound for pound the best, like their level over their the other people at their level, Mm -hmm. He he is by far at two oh five in uh, at two oh five. He was so much better than the competition that if that's how you're defining pound for pound the best, then he's a runaway because no one's even close to his skill level. Now, over the last couple of years, I think Cormier's gotten close as far as like being able to hang with him, mm -hmm. but. You know that's a that's a a victim of inactivity of you know the the wear and tear of all the stress and strain that he's put on his body with drugs and alcohol and stress of being suspended and all that stuff. Just think if he lived clean, how he he would already be a heavyweight and he'd probably be heavyweight champion right now. That's what I want to say too. Like his closest fight was against Gustafson at 165, which is one of the best UFC fights ever, and. Through four rounds, it was pretty much dead even, and then he digs deep again, wins the fight. But ten days before the fight, he went on like a big coke binge, just and like didn't train. Uh, I forget one report like they saw him like three times at the gym, like the whole fight camp. Like he just didn't show up. And then on talent and will alone, he goes and fights a five round war and finds a way to win. So imagine if you had that same guy in the gym six weeks ready to go, he would have, if fight would have gone around. So it's always John Jones is the greatest what if 
we've had in MMA. It's just how good how good he was, but how good could have he have been? Yeah, it's baffling to throw away something that you just think about all the regional MMA uh, guys that are giving their blood, sweat, and tears, working full time jobs, getting in the gym whenever they can to try to to try to make it, to try to make it to a, a higher level and try to make it one day into the UFC. And there's all these guys that are busting their butt to get there that don't have the talent, but are trying, like, that don't have the natural talent to get there just based off of, um, you know, athleticism and that alone, that they're just training, 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 doing everything they can. There's tens of thousands of those people that are gym rats that are just training to become. And then you got a guy whose God given ability is so high that at 21, he's dominate. He's dominating veterans um, of the sport. And then he just throws it all away. It's crazy. Yeah. At 21, he's dominating veterans. And two years later, he's champion. And you have people like Mark Cherico who pick up MMA at 21. Like, imagine what Mark Cherico would do just to have a third, a fraction of John Jones's talent. What he would do with that? The natural talent. Yes, yes, sure. that's what I'm saying. The Ima- natural talent because yeah. he Cherico has the work ethic, the grind, he all of that. He has everything, but just the natural God-given talent that John Jones has. What he would do just to have. Any of that, and that's that's a that's a skill, that's a God given talent that that is in his genes. I mean, his brother's a professional athlete; like he has the size. Um, I think he's the you know the perfect size for his talent. Meaning, like if he was a little smaller, it would be a lot more competitive. But because he's a big guy and he's that athletic as a big guy, he's just towering over these other guys. I mean, skill-wise and, like, physically. Yeah, now, all right, continuing with our hypotheticals, when the news broke, they were looking at, was it 218 or 219 that's in Detroit? Um, Let's say 18. Okay, say 18, so that's going to be in December. And they were targeting John Jones versus Stipe in December, quick turnaround. Who wins that fight if it happened? If it had happened, um, it was. It is two eighteen, and it's December second. Um, yeah, I think John Jones beats Stipe. Then see that one. That one is really close for me though, because it's so close, and you gotta get used to carrying all that extra weight and. You you've seen the magic of Stipe in person. He's just intoxicating to watch, and uh, no one has moved the way Jones would. See, you're talking oh, yeah. about Jones carrying the extra weight. Mm-hmm. Jo- Jones Jones wouldn't have to take a weight cut. That's all there would be to it. Yeah, but how much weight would he be giving up in this fight? He wouldn't be. He wouldn't be giving up a lot. He 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 walks around. I bet you he he cuts from twenty five. Okay, so he's 225. But no, I think like, he walks at 240. Well, see, I've seen the biggest of John Jones at 240. When he was powerlifting, he was 240. I think he walks around at 240. 
I mean, when you walk around, that means you're not in a training camp. That yeah. Well, I think when he goes to training camp and he's training hard, he's he he's down to two twenty five, and then he cuts from there. See, I think that quick just with that turnaround, it would be tough. Like I said, give him a year, and I think he'd run through anybody. But that turnaround would make it very interesting because he's never been, he's never had an opponent bigger than him before. I, and he he can take you, Cormier. You're the one that said he would destroy Lesnar. Yeah, I, in a year though. That's just just one year out. I said he would destroy him in a year. I think he would destroy Stipe in a year. But that really that quick turnaround in December. I'm not saying he wouldn't win, but it's a lot different. It's a lot different than he has a year to prepare for heavyweight. Yeah, I mean, I think he would have trouble against. Some of the bigger heavyweights. I think Lesnar's a, a a tough fight for him. I think if if he keeps Lesnar at at distance, he could pick him apart. But if Lesnar got him got him against the cage, there's a I mean huge strength difference there. Huge mm-hmm. strength difference there. I mean, I don't know how he overcomes that strength difference. Yeah, I say that almost. Do you think it eliminates John Jones' like ability to take down people at that division? Because he takes down people with down at ease at heavyweight. Well, I mean, as a heavyweight, he's he's a he's a different. Heavy. He's he's preparing differently. His body's different. Yeah. So when he, if he went to heavyweight, why are we even talking about this? This is ah. <laughs> uh, because this is all what could have been. These are the arguments we could have had for the next. Y- Several years. This is brutal. He wasted it all for us. He ruined this. Could have been. Have you ever? Uh, you're probably too young for this. Do you remember the song? The the singer Tiffany. Yeah, yeah, vaguely, yes. She sang a song. Could have been. I'm not going to try to sing it because no one wants to hear that. Um. Okay. So here, let's go back to McGregor. Let's finish okay. that conversation out. What is next for McGregor? I know. I think he wants to make a Madoff. I think that's I think, a bad fight for him. I, I, I think he did want him, but I don't think the UFC is ever going to risk their golden calf against the person who's unproven at making weight. And it's unseen if people are going to sanction him to come back at 55. Have you heard all the horror stories about him cutting like several different times? Who, Nermega Madoff? Yeah, he almost pulled from the Michael Johnson fight at 205 because he had, I mean, just barely could get there. And when he, on his last cut, like his liver just shut down, stopped working. So I'm interested to see if he could even get sanctioned again at 55, especially in, I mean, in Russia, I guarantee you can, but I wonder if he can in Vegas. Yeah. I mean, you got Conor McGregor sanctioned against, uh, against Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match, 49 and O versus O and O. But yeah, but still, I mean, they're both going to make weight money talks and, I don't. I think Dana White wouldn't confirm this week at press conferences if the winner of Ferguson Lee is next for McGregor. I think just kind of with timing. I think that's too far out. McGregor's going to want to fight before that. When when does when does uh, when do they fight? They is it in is it two sixteen in October? I bet you McGregor's going to want to fight on like the closest card to New Year's Eve. Yeah, I was thinking the same. Two two eighteen or nineteen. Two nineteen, yeah, that's Vegas. Two nineteen, December thirtieth. Uh, Nate, still, Nate Diaz trilogy. I still think UFC should have a New Year's Eve card every year. It'd be great. I'd love it. I mean, why not? Like, 
Who wouldn't want to spend New Year's Eve as an MMA fan? Like, make that everyone's New Year's Eve tradition. Who cares about Dick Clark? He's not even on there anymore. Who cares about um, the guy that American Idol guy, whatever his name is? Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. I would rather watch the biggest MMA card of the year close out. Like, why not make New Year's Eve every year Madison Square Garden – Forget November, starting next year. Make Madison Square Garden New Year's Eve the biggest card of every year. I'd love it. Maybe a great promotional idea. I mean, I think it's a great idea. What do you think Connor's going to do next? Who do you think he's going to fight? Um, I know. I mean, even his manager said he wants to make a Madoff. Do I think that that's uh, – honestly, I think that's a dumb fight for him. I think you take a look at the 155-pound division, and that's the – you look at – Who's the most likely loss? Who's the most dangerous to lose to? I think it's clearly Nurmega Madoff. And I don't think that that's the pretty fight. I don't think that's the attractive fight. Honestly, I think Diaz Trilogy is the only, thing, yep. the, the only, the only way to go. So I, I think the same thing. And I, I, I don't – I'm not – Sold on Mega Madoff making weight. I just don't. I'm not sold in the UFC banking that. I I am not either. But how many times has he missed weight? Just uh, once. He, or no. I thought he missed one. He missed once. He's missed before. Okay, I'll look it up. You keep talking. Okay, because just the, the fact that his liver shut down. Like I love that uh, the one thing I do like that Tony Ferguson does. He calls him a. Uh, Team Tiramisu. <laughs> Just yeah. can't keep the weight off. But, yeah, I, I don't think you do that fight. The Kevin, he's going to, I agree with you, he's going to want to fight before he gets the winner of Kevin Lee and Ferguson. And I think it's Nate Diaz at 155. But now the question becomes, uh, I mean, I guess you have an interim title fight and then you have another title fight at, the, at a different time. And then it could possibly be Nate Diaz, lightweight champion, fighting Kevin Lee. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, I don't know how many times he's missed weight. I gotta be honest here. I'm trying to find it. I know it's more than once. Let's see. He fought at a catch weight at his last fight prior to Michael Johnson was Darrell Horcher. How do you say his last name? Horcher? Darrell Horcher. Yeah. Yeah. So he fought at a, a catch weight 160 pounds. It doesn't say that he missed weight. Um, against at UFC 160 against Abel. Do, do you know Abel Trujillo? Yeah. yeah. He uh, missed weight there. They fought at a catch weight of 158 and a half pounds. He actually, it says he missed weight. Then he tested positive. For a drostolone, I'm not going <laughs> to pretend like I know how to pronounce drug names. Um, uh, when he fought Tiago Tavares, you you said that's enough. You cannot risk Conor McGregor fighting that that guy and him not making it to the fight. I, we all know McGregor will fight anybody whenever I mean, they pull out. He's had a history of opponents doing that. But I, I don't think UFC wants to risk all the promotion and then go through that again. So he's fought eight UFC fights, won them all, but three of the eight have had a major issue. Exactly. Almost half of them. So, 
You, that's the great thing about Nate Diaz. And He's this doesn't this doesn't show the. Uh, I mean, actually, he went to fight a ninth fight, and and had to duck out because of the weight right. issues. So that yep, there's nine fights, four major issues. Yeah, his liver shut down. He Correct. he was like dying. And so, this yeah. doesn't this doesn't count any fights he's pulled out of because I think he's pulled out of fights as well. He's pulled he's pulled from two Ferguson fights because he pulled from the Ferguson fight last summer, and that's when um, Lando Venata stepped in. I don't uh, know if that was due to injury or not, though. Yeah. So another case. So and and yeah. Anyway. Um, I, I don't think that that's something the UFC wants. I don't think that Nurmega Madoff should get a title shot without fighting again. I think he should have to make 155 and win against a top contender and then and not have any weight cut issues, and then you get a title shot if you win that. I agree. I'd like to see him get the loser of the Kevin Lee-Tony Ferguson fight or get an Edson Barboza when he's healthy. Yeah. So... That's settled. He does not get a title shot. What's next for McGregor, I believe, is the Diaz trilogy fight, which is really the only thing that makes sense for him at this point from a financial and from a um, – with Ferguson. When does Ferguson fight? I'm sorry. Uh, 216 against Kevin Lee. And, and, and what, what, yeah, he took a fight against Kevin Lee, which doesn't make sense to me, but no. um, it is what it is. Uh Kevin Lee's too dangerous, <laughs> too dangerous, and not ranked good enough, and not a big enough name. Yeah, he's like the worst person you want to fight right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, that, that's like the <laughs> one guy I won't fight. He's yeah, re- like, he's really good. No one knows him, and I'm not going to make a ton of money. Yeah, he's a 24 year old prospect, and he's just like what he did to Michael Chiesa was just incredible. And like yeah. people don't want this guy. Like keep him. Let's, let's hide him away. Go fight. Uh, Fight somebody else. Go fight uh, Brian. Uh, who else is in that division he could fight that he could just blow through besides Khabib? I mean, he's already beaten Edson Barboza. That was a good fight. Um, yeah. Who else is in that division? Yeah. Because he oh, – yeah, Kevin Lee is just – after watching his last performance, Kevin Lee is dangerous. Very, very dangerous. And let me find this. Well, I got the – fighter rankings up here right now um for lightweight so we got connor habib tony ferguson eddie alvarez barboza justin gaethje nate diaz kevin lee poirier michael johnson and then it starts trailing off i mean you even got that's such a crazy division the guys that trail off are like Al Iaquinta, who only trails off because he doesn't fight. Yeah, yeah, that division is insane. And the fact that – I don't know how Eddie Alvarez is ranked – he's only ranked that high because he's coaching tough. Dustin Poirier – I think I – mean, that's a whole other mess. I think Dustin Poirier should be higher if Eddie Alvarez is that high. You got they Just, were a lot closer. Justin Gaethje, you got Nate – I mean, that's – Gilbert Melendez is 15th. Yeah, how, how how much would you love Gagey Diaz? Yeah. Just just teeing off on each other. Just Who? Zom, uh, Justin Gagey versus Nate Diaz. Oh, zombie. That, 
That would be insane. Zombie versus zombie, just brawling. <laughs> it would be. It would be like watching Rock'em Sock'em robots, just like, just ignoring the fact that they're unconscious. It would be so much fun. I was my first time ever watching Gagey when he fought Michael Johnson. I'm like, this guy is the boogeyman. Like, he just, he's the, he's the best. He just keeps coming at you. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, um, a, go ahead. So what a great division. Like you said, though, like Melendez is 15th. This division's awesome. Yeah, so I guess they weren't able to work out a, a, a fight uh, for... Francis Ngannou with JDS uh, failing his drug test for UFC 215. I, I I don't see a replacement fight there. They scratched him officially. Ugh, that's brutal. Yeah, Ngannou called out Stipe. So wait, if you're Ngannou, who would? I mean, taking a look at the heavyweight division, who who would have been a good replacement for? I have no. I have to pull it up. I can't think of anyone that doesn't already have a fight unless you're going to bring in Reem off short notice. But that's stupid of him to do. Like, well, I mean, you can take a. This is a big enough fight that someone can scratch their their scheduled fight. Yeah, I mean, you one could, that's a I mean, little further out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. um taking a look at. I don't know. Junior Dos Santos isn't listed on the heavyweights anymore. Really? Yeah, I think because he failed that test, he's going to be under suspension. He's not listed. Well, goodbye, Junior. <laughs> Get well soon. Because basically, he's like, I think he must have been fourth, and uh, Nganu was fifth because everyone has moved up a spot after okay. that point. That makes sense. Yeah, so... Yeah, that, how long's his suspension going to be? A year? I think so. I haven't, that heard, his, I haven't seen anything. That's his first? I believe so. I, haven't, I, haven't, I don't remember any other time of him failing or testing positive. He was a guy that, you know, you thought could make a – could be the next heavyweight when he, when he originally won the belt, could be the next longtime reigning champion, baddest man on the planet. But that didn't last very long. I mean, nobody's been able to be. What's Stipe is on the verge of breaking the title defense record for heavyweight. He's got two. That's the record. <laughs> yeah. Well, th I thought three was, no? No, two. That's crazy. Yeah, two's the record. No one's gone longer due to injury or just being beaten or anything else. Yeah, man, it's, that's, how, that's how insane the heavyweight division's been. Yeah, wow. I, I thought it was at least three. But anyway, um, so... This weekend, we have UFC uh, Fight Night 115, which is Volkov versus Struve. Um, and this is in the Netherlands. Uh, what, are your, uh, your, what are your thoughts on that main event with the heavyweights? I'm a little more excited than I thought I was after looking into it. Volkov is, has won four in a row. This is, I mean, oh, he's won, I think he's won three in a row, the third UFC fight. One of those. I have my numbers mixed up. I can't write. But he, he ends 75% of his fights in a finish. Uh, Stefan Struve has won two in a row now, getting back in the getting getting back to his winning ways, I guess. And I think it won't look as awkward because Volkev is 6'7", because, I mean, Struve is obviously seven feet tall. 
And is Struff seven feet? Yeah, seven foot even. Oh wow! I mean, he's the shortest seven footer ever. Like he yeah, doesn't use his his no, size. not at all. Yeah, he's seven feet tall, and uh, he weighs two sixty five, right at the limit. But I mean, he's looks he has to be super lean because he's seven feet tall. And um, just looking, I think Volkev is going to knock him out. Really, knock him out. I I like seeing Struve get knocked out. That's I shouldn't say that. But <laughs> I, I apologize. I should. I honestly shouldn't say that. But I mean, the truth's the truth. <laughs> How weird is it that Struve knocked out Stipe? Yeah, that's the craziest <laughs> thing. I just think that's a complete. That's, that's so weird. Like that's like reverse reality world. Yeah, that's like. Have you you watched Stranger Things? What's that? Do you watch Stranger Things? No, I mean, I'm looking at some strange things right now. <laughs> well, if you do, that's what happened in the Upside Down. That's the alternate universe. Struve knocks out Steve. That's not supposed to happen here. Yeah, it's it's just complete madness. Um, Okay, so I watched Vol- – Vol- do you remember Volkov versus Roy Nelson? Yeah, he beat him. And, and he had him in really bad shape at the end of the first round. Was kind of pouring it on, but that's the thing that worries me about a guy like him. He, he, when he faces top level talent, he either gets it's normally a decision, mm-hmm. and he doesn't finish it, or I mean, he, it's a decision loss or decision win, and that's like not being able to have that killer instinct and finish fights. That's that's concerning to me. I think I don't know if that's gonna. I think he has enough power to hurt Struve, and I think he will, and mm-hmm. I think he'll win the fight. But um, I don't see him climbing much higher than his current ranking in the UFC heavyweight division. I agree, and his heavyweights, have, like those top ones, like you said, have been decisions. But still, seventy-five percent of his fights have been finished. He's uh, either by knockout or submission, mostly knockout. Well, and- I mean, but look, look, look at his record and see who. Who he exactly. finished that you know the person. And yeah, yeah. Anyone that you know on the list is a decision. Chad yep. Congo decision. Tony Johnson decision. Those are both decision losses. Mm-hmm. Um, Timothy Johnson, the decision. Roy Nelson's the decision. You know, anyone on his list, Brett Rogers is a decision. Rico Rodriguez is a decision. Anyone that you've heard the name before. It's a decision, either, either a win or a loss. So that tells me that when he gets up to that elite level, um, which, I, I mean, some of those guys aren't elite level. They're just guys that have made it to, you know, the UFC top 10 or something like that. Um, and he's having trouble finishing those fights. I think that catches up with you, and it shows it, it just shows that you're not at that elite level. Yeah, I think it's kind of a – I think he's bouncing back because after his Czech Congo loss, he was – I mean, I don't know if he – I think he was released from Bellator because then he went down to the M1 Challenge and then he came back to the UFC recently. But, I mean, once again, you know, decision, decision. He did get the wins, but still, like you, I, I see your point. But um, fight math is never accurate by any, by any well, stretch I of mean, the imagination. Fight math might not be accurate when you're talking about common opponents, but – when you when you trend to not be able to finish top guys or be dependent on judges on decisions, that's not a recipe for 
Um, and, and I mean, there are, there are exceptions to that rule, GSP being one of them. And, you know, complete domination, d- dominating fighters being those, he's not that. And so he has power and he has finishing capabilities. And I haven't seen, you know, that in him when it gets to those elite level guys. Yeah, but I'm saying with the fight math that he beat Roy Nelson and had him in all kinds of trouble. And Roy Nelson pulverized Stefan Struve, just ran through Struve. And I said, it's, you know, it's, it's never completely accurate, but I really think this is the fight where I think he could finish Struve. So. Yeah, I, I think he's going to finish Struve. That's, I, I yeah. predict him in a second round TKO. Um, but I also, um, I also think he's, he's whatever ranking he gets after this fight is where he will peak. He's not yeah. going to climb up the ladder any further. I don't think no. he, I don't think he has the talent to go any higher. Yeah. He's just going to I mean like the, the vision is so top heavy and there's rarely any dramatic movement in that division and he's going to run into a murderer's row if once he yep. gets through it's true. Yep. Once he gets through this one, it, it it's all guys that I think are head and shoulders on the talent level on different different level than him. Yep. Um although he has he ever been knocked out? Yes. Well, TKO at Bellator 108 in 2013. Um but he's on a good run. He, I mean he has the two back-to-back Bellator losses, but outside of those, he's on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's nine and two with those in his last eleven. So, you know, the guy's got a lot of talent. I just don't. I think when you're not able to finish fights, you go up against those elite level heavyweights, and they are going to finish the fight. If you're not going to, they will. Yeah, I one I think my favorite thing about him is that his nickname is Drago, and I just hope he quotes Rocky Four all the time. He should do it in every will, press conference. I will break you. Exactly. That's the best thing going for him. That's not a best thing going for him, really. Well, it's probably going to be once he beats Struve and runs to a buzzsaw of like Cain Velasquez or somebody. Yeah. Oh, no wonder. I'm sitting here. Duh. Okay. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I was looking at the how to see how long we were at right now, and I couldn't find the thing, but I was... Yeah, never mind. Um, okay, so uh, Jermaine Durandamy is also fighting on that card. Is there any excitement there for you? No. Okay, neither here. Um <laughs> It's it's a card that uh, you know. There's a lot of foreign fighters being in the Netherlands, Netherlands, and you know, there's not a lot of guys that are household names. But it is there are some intriguing matchups. So definitely a card worth watching, even for the casual fan. Would you agree? Yes, there is some potential in there, and um, this is one of those cool cards where you can probably find a young prospect like a Paolo. You find him young, and then you're like, oh, this person could be something in, two, in a year or two. So besides that, there's no name-drawing power at all, but there's for the hardcore fan, there, there's going to be some There's going to be some interesting matchups. And then the following weekend, so that's on this upcoming Saturday, the September 2nd, the following weekend – we have UFC 215, that's September 9th in 
Edmonton, Alberta, Canada at the Rogers at Rogers Place. Who's Roger, by the way? Why does he get uh, his own place? I don't know. Canadians, man. Eh? <laughs> so this is a huge fight card. I feel like this is a really good card. Even, yeah, I even losing Ngannou. Yeah, even losing JDS Ngannou, it's still a very good card. So you have um, two championship matches. You have Demetrius Johnson and Ray Borg, number one versus number three. You have Amanda Nunez, uh, number one uh, in the champion, versus Valentino Shevchenko, who is uh, the number one contender. You lost the JDS Ngannou. That was filled in with... Uh, uh, Latifi and Pedro will will be in that spot um, up on the moved up from the undercard to the main card. Uh, Rafael dos Anjos versus Neil Magny, and actually Rafael dos Anjos is the only guy on the main card who's not ranked in the top fifteen in his division. Do you know that? And he's that. and he's a former champion. Mm-hmm. So you got Latifi and Pedro, and then you got Gilbert Melendez and Stevens, little heathen Stevens, uh, number fifteen versus number eight. And and to me, I don't know why Jeremy Stevens takes that fight. I don't know why Jeremy Stevens is ranked number eight. He's two and five in his last seven. Well, is he really? Yeah. Little heathen. He's been around well- forever. Yeah, it's funny though. I went back seven fights for he and Melendez. Melendez is three and four in his last seven, lost three in a row. But seven fights back from Melendez is Jorge Masvidal, December 2011. And seven fights back for Stevens is uh, Cub Swanson in June 2014. So that just shows the activity and inactivity of each fighter. Yeah, and that's not. See, Jer- can you believe that Jeremy. Stevens is only 31. Yeah. He has been around forever. Yeah. He fought at UFC 71. Who'd <laughs> he fight there? He fought Din Thomas. <laughs> wow. Like, it's unbelievable that, that he's only 31 years old. Yeah, and, and the thing he's going to be known most for in his career is just the object of ridicule of Conor McGregor. Yeah, wow. <laughs> wow, wow. He is. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Wow. That's a lot of getting beat up. Yeah, two and five in the last seven. He's still ranked eighth. And um, who, do, who do you like in that fight? I think that fight's going to be really good. Um, yeah, that that's a good matchup. Um, is <laughs> two guys with a ton of talent and a tough division, um, but two guys who are veterans who know the sport, who've been at the top and fought the top guys for a long time. I mean, taking a look at who they've beaten, who they've lost to, they're all you know household, you know. Names you know, they're all great fighters, mm-hmm. and uh, and so they've been at the top of the game for a long time, and not always winning, but always competitive and well, mostly competitive and uh, just really solid guys. Um, I gotta think Melendez 
is would be would be my pick. Is this his first fight at 145? I don't know. Let me uh, let me look at him. Okay, I think it is. Cause like I said, seven fights ago, he was fighting Masvidal. And I don't know if that was at 55 or 70. So I don't know how this cut's going to be on him. I think it'll be fine with him. The grizzled veteran, he's had plenty of time off. Yeah, he's ever since he came to the UFC, it's been it's been brutal. Yeah. I mean, he fought his UFC debut was against ben, Benson Henderson. He lost that uh, via split decision, which was a very close fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was for the lightweight championship. Yeah. And then he beat Diego Sanchez at UFC 166. And then he's lost three straight. Anthony Pettis lost, uh, uh, got choked out. Eddie Alvarez split another split decision loss. Gilbert Melendez can't win a split decision. Well, actually, he <laughs> did. He, he won a split decision against Josh Thompson. But then Ed, Edson Barboza, he lost to um, in about a year ago. So, yep. and he hasn't fought since. He's a part of that. Uh, Diaz camp, yep. Stockton boys, and uh, they're, they're not very active fighting. No, but they're all, they always perform well and they're always really tough. Like that Eddie Alvarez fight, I thought he won that fight. I thought he did enough to win and Alvarez, I mean, got the decision, so it is what it is. But Melendez, I still think, has something, especially if he can go down to that weight class, because I, I don't see too many people that can, are going to give him problems until he gets to the top of 45. And he only has six losses in his career. But like you said, the UFC's been brutal with four of those coming in the last seven. Yeah, so. and, and, and he, he has fought a murderer's row of, of, uh, of great fighters. I mean, yeah, that- I mean, you look at Anthony Pettis. That was when Anthony Pettis was at his peak. Peak showtime. Yeah, and and Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez, that was a war. That fight was a war. One of the best I've ever seen. That fight was definition war. (laughs) That was also when Benson Henderson was at his peak. Both of those, the the Henderson and the Pettis fight, were for the lightweight belt. Yeah. And then Eddie Alvarez, obviously, he was the lightweight champion until, um, you know, for a couple of fights. Until, Until 205. And then Barboza is a beast. So, I mean, he he hasn't been losing to chumps. And outside of the guillotine choke, they've all been decisions or, or, you know. So he's still a great fighter, but I don't know. Yeah, I think think he still has something left. And the fact that even though he's lost those fights, he's competitive in all of them. Like, he's not just getting destroyed and embarrassed. Even that Barboza fight, Barboza did the thing where he just, you know, kicks you to pieces. But it didn't matter for Melendez. I think he might have won the third round of that fight because he caught him late and Barboza was in some trouble. But, I mean, he'd done enough to win. But, yeah, I think I think Melendez gives it to the, the little heathen a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, who was the, the fight that uh... – no, I'm thinking of someone else. What, what, little Heathen, was he in a war recently? No. 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 All right. Um, so that fight card is sweet. Even on the undercard, you got Sarah McMahon, who's number six at, in the division against Ketlin uh, Vieira. You got a number two versus number four at the 125. You got Henry Sedate, uh, Sejudo. Is that how you say his name? 
Cejudo. Cejudo. You see, you you got like a memory bank, like unbelievable. Versus <laughs> Wilson R- Reese. Hayes. Hayes. Yeah, Hayes. It's it's uh it's Portuguese. I that's what I said Hayes. Oh, I thought you said Reese. Well, that's how it's spelled. So that's what oh I said. yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> like, that, that makes sense. Exactly. So. A good, a, a really good fight card there. Two fifteens, a must see. Would you agree with that? I do, and I want to touch on a couple things. Um, Pedro, Pedro Latifi. Pedro is in his third UFC fight. His only it'll only be his seventh total, but since joining the UFC, he's never been outside the first round. He's twenty five. He's never been taken down in those two fights. He's got really good boxing, really good jujitsu. And I think he is. I think it's going to be his coming out party. He's going to roll through Latifi. Really? Yeah. And listen to this. So I picked out Latifi's four best opponents. He fought uh, Ryan Bader in 2016. Got knocked out in the second round. He got a win over. How do you pronounce it? Guillen Vallant. Jean. Jean Vallant. Yeah. See, I, gotta, I when you're in when you're saying people's names. I know how to say them, and when I'm saying people's names, you know how to say them. We make a good team. I say Octagon 247, baby. We're a great team. And so he got, he got a win over uh, Vallant, unanimous decision. And then 2014, Jan Blockowitz. Jan Blockowitz, okay. 2014, he got knocked out in the first round. Yeah, go ahead. Blockowitz only landed two strikes in the whole fight and knocked him out. So you're lo- so here's the thing you're looking at you're you're looking at um, numbers and 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 words. You, I like to watch the fights over again. I haven't yeah, done I mean, it for I haven't done it for two fifteen yet. I did do it for Stefan Struve, uh, not Struve, but for Volkov, Volkov, and mm-hmm. watched you know him systematically pick apart a big country. Um, but, you know, I'll take a look at Latifi. And I'll, I'm going to take a look at your boy Pedro. And I'm going to make, we'll make predictions a week from now. And hopefully we'll have uh, Cherico on with us. Oh, I got one more for you. 2013. Okay, go ahead, shoot. Go ahead, shoot. 2013. He fought Gegard Mousasi. He lost a unanimous decision. He was outstruck 80 to 18 in that fight. Mm. And that is just disparaging. And the fact that he got knocked out in two strikes by Jan in 2014, anytime he fights higher ranked people, he tends to fall. And um, Pedro's getting a big push. I mean, you had four fights and then you got put in the UFC. And so I think it's going to be a big showcase for him. So you think they're setting Pedro up to showcase him? Exactly. I think that's why that fight got bumped up. Well, that's that's the perfect... I mean, that was music to his ears then, huh? Absolutely. And I, what do you think about RDA Neil Magny? Uh, um, I think Neil Magny is a beast. And... I think RDA's game planning is not always um, the best. And so I think Neil, uh, 
RDA needs to get get Magni on his back. And yeah. and I don't think that that'll necessarily be his game plan. I it it, it baffles me sometimes, but um yeah. Yeah, Magni has that 10-inch reach advantage. And an RDA's first fight at welterweight, this will be his second. And his first one against, uh, was it Tarek Sefadin? Yep. He won that uh, de- He won that decision, but he looked terrible controlling that way. Like, he just did not look good. Like, he didn't look as explosive. And, yeah, I'm, I like Neil Magny a lot. And I think, um, like you said, RDA's game plan is always, sometimes just a little weird. You don't understand why he's doing this. Yeah. So, I I think Magny's going to going to have his way in control range really well. And that's what, what I – I don't even know. See, that's the weird thing is I don't know if RDA will come in with the game plan of got to take the fight to the ground or like – or maybe we'll just – I don't know. It, it's odd to me. It seems very, very clear with, you know, a guy that's a – whose strength is standing. Yeah. But he doesn't always make sense. And more often than not, doesn't make sense with his. Yeah. But now fighting is a, uh, this is a welterweight, right? Correct. Fighting is a welterweight. I don't think is going to be, I mean, I, he fought, he has, he had his welterweight debut, but that was against Safadine. And, I think they set him up to have a winnable fight, and he did win. He got the unanimous decision, but I think this is where, you know, when he steps up to the comp- competition. Yeah. It, it wasn't going well for him with two losses in a row at lightweight, and these are the level of fighters he's now getting into from the lightweight division. Now he's at that level with the welterweight division. I I just don't see that ending very well. Yeah, he's getting towards the end of his rope with how far he's just getting a little bit out of his depth here. And um, well, here's the thing: was is he's never going to be champion again? That's not happening. He had his run. He defended his belt against Cerrone. He he was a legitimate champion for you know a short term, and he made his mark. And now he has to start having different goals. I think yeah. your your new goals are like to stay in that 6 to 10 ranking range. But you know, if your goals to be number 1 or number, you know, in the top 5, I, yes, maybe he needs he can work his way in in to to have that turned into a goal, but right now his goal needs to be finding a spot in the welterweight division where he can compete. And I don't think it's a, a, against Neil Magny. Can we make shirts that say RDA strive for mediocrity and just wear them everywhere? Stri- <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I don't agree. I, I, I don't think that's what it is. I think it's just knowing where you're at in your career. And, uh, yeah. and I mean, honestly, do you see him in any division being champion again? Unless they make a 163-pound division, no. And he's the only fighter? <laughs> See, I think, he, I think he can flourish in the middle there. I think he's just, like, obscure. Like, 55 is too hard of a cut, and 70, he's just too small. And I think right in the middle. But they don't have that division, and he's not going to be champion again. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, 
I just don't. But I mean, and that's where I think you have to realize, okay, I don't, I'm not going to be champion, but I can, I have to figure out where I'm like, what I'm, what are my goals now? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do you tell a, do you tell a guy like you're not going to be champion? No. But at the same time, like if you're his team, you can kind of set him up to like get used to, Hey, they're going to be throwing this new challenger at you. You have a chance to fight a guy that's a high level guy. That's not a lot of experience. I don't know. Would you challenge him with that? What? But then you get the Michael Bisping case. Like I never thought I would see a Michael Bisping title run in my life. Well, you I, haven't. You've you've seen him win the title. You haven't seen a run. Trust well, yeah, me. Well, he, yeah. Well, he he defended it. No, no, no. He Dan- did not. He did not. He he beat <laughs> he beat a guy. Well, he and he almost lost. He beat a guy. Yeah. That, the only reason he was fighting was he got gifted a title shot. Yeah, he took it on short notice. The only reason he was. No, I'm talking about Dan Henderson. Oh, Henderson. Yeah, yeah. The only reason he was not retired is because he got a gift title shot. I mean, let's be honest. When Henderson was somewhere near his prime, which he I don't even think he was in his prime then, but when no. he was somewhere near his prime, he was uh, just destroying Michael Bisbing's face. Yeah, that's why Michael Bisbing's made of half machine now. That's why he's champion. He's just half metal. Like, I don't know how much of him is real anymore. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That is all I have. You got anything else, brother? Uh, that's it for this week. Save predictions for next week. So, uh, as always, we want to remind you, it is criti- of critical importance that you go onto our podcast, whatever medium you're listening to. Most of you are probably listening on iTunes from the way it looks. Go onto the podcast app and rate, review, and subscribe us. We have content additionally on facebook and instagram and twitter so check those out we also have uh a youtube page which um, a lot of it is just our podcast but also when we cover events live we have a lot of content that goes up up around that time so we will be covering the pittsburgh card in september live as well so there will be additional YouTube content then. So please rate, review, and subscribe this podcast, as well as liking and subscribing and following our social media uh, offerings. So that's about it for Andrew Bailey. Are you done? I'm done. You I'm any, done. Any parting shots? Do you have anything to say to Floyd Mayweather or anything to say to Conor McGregor? Anything to say to Floyd Mayweather, you should not be able to fight again until you stop fighting your wife. Oh, anything. Hmm, (laughs) I wonder if his wife's ever beat him up. I could only hope so. 50 Cent hit him once, and I was all so happy about that. Uh, Parting shots for Connor. Great job. Come back to the good side. Do you think Connor gets UFC... Ownership stake. Dana White confirmed. He said he's going to. So I mean, I, he didn't maybe, say he's going to. He said that's obviously going to be have to be something we consider. Yeah, there's a strong insinuation, and I think yeah, I think you do give it to him. <laughs> like he is, he's the only consistent engine in the machine now. Yeah. Well, 
he 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 certainly deserves it if he gets it. I'm getting feedback right now, so that's a good sign to sign off. <laughs> so this is Ryan Middleton on behalf of the entire crew and cast at Octagon. 247.com and MMA Fancast. We thank you for listening. Ask you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and our social media offerings. With that being said, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, we will have a guest uh, appearance and we'll have Mark Cherica with us. And uh, look forward to that. So, on behalf of Octagon 24-7 and MLA Fancast. This is Ryan Elton signing off saying thank you. God bless.